Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for April 23rd, 2018. Uh, on today's episode, we have a special interview uh, from the set of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I visited the set of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in June of 2017. It was in Honolulu, Hawaii, um, and... It was incredible, actually. Uh, it, was, it was a great set visit. It was me and Eric Vespi, who used to work for Anna Cool and is now with Rooster Teeth. Uh, and we uh, got to see a lot of stuff, including um, some of the incredible animatronics on the set uh, there. This has mo- the most animatronics out of any of the movies, aside from uh, uh, the first film. So a- out of any of the sequels, I guess you could say. Uh, but seeing... Um, you know, they had a fully animatronic uh, Blue the Raptor who was sitting in front of me, breathing, crying, uh, you know, operated by a team of uh, puppeteers. At, like, I believed he was real. It was um, pretty cool to see. Uh, the story for Jurassic World, as you've probably seen in the trailers, is very different 
than the first Jurassic World movie, and I think it has a lot of promise. I think, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are giving uh, a lot of credit to Star Wars The Last Jedi for taking the franchise in a new direction, and I think this takes the Jurassic World franchise in a new direction. Um, while instead we got to talk to all the cast and crew, uh, we will be posting those interviews online on SlashFilm.com this week, but um, today I want to share with you in audio form our interview with Frank Marshall and Pat Crowley, uh, the producers of the film. Frank Marshall, of course, is you know uh, a producer of all the movies you grew up with, uh, all the Steven Spielberg films, along with uh, his uh, wife, co-partner uh, Kathleen Kennedy, um, and um, and uh, yeah. So I, I want to bring you this. They they give you some some info. You know, nothing spoiler, nothing like too too in depth. Uh, talk mostly about the first like. 30 minutes of the movie, uh, but there's a lot of interesting stuff there, and uh, it's also probably worth noting that this interview and this set visit took place, uh, you know, shortly after. So, uh, when you were devel- developing this and and Colin came in, what was the pitch for, the, for Jurassic World 2? Well, I mean, we knew we had to get off the island. That was, yeah. That was... You know, and, and, and he came in, I think he's been thinking about this since Jurassic World, you yeah. know, where we're going to go in two and three. Yeah. So it was just a question of how far we were going to go in two. So he kind of had it all sketched out. And basically, from what I remember, brought a treatment in. I mean, I don't think we sat down and talked to him. <laughs> no, really. He was, yeah. It was interesting because without revealing too much of it, he wanted to go much further in the second one. All right. And we all sort of looked at it and said, and I don't think everybody's ready for that. Hold it yeah. Back a little. You know, it was just in terms of the length of the time the story itself. Uh, he had started here, gone all the way to there. And sort of said, well, we really felt we needed to spend time to get to know Chris and Bryce again. Mm, yeah. yeah. And where they'd been in three years. Because as you'll see, I mean, they. There's some, well, for her mostly, there's a big change in her. You know, she's realized that, you know, she made a mistake and that it was her responsibility, not her fault, but yeah. she was part of what happened. So she's now, you know, trying to make up for it. Yeah. Trying to do better. And Chris is pretty much still a loner on his own, yeah. not wanting to deal with it. So, uh, so we had to set that up. Was there? Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it must be interesting from your perspective, you know, since you you know not only have to find a hear the director's vision, but then also kind of think about it not only in the wider terms of, of the franchise, but also in how to actually execute it uh, in in real life. So, what, was there a particular element that you can talk about that got you really excited? Well, about, about his thing that I mean, I know that there's there's a lot but, of mystery in the second. But half, that but. that. That challenge is, at least for me, what what I get all excited about yeah, is, yeah. is how we're going to do this. Yeah. You know where we're going to do it, how we're going to do it, um, you know, and and how we're going to pull it off. Yeah. And there, you know, there's some locations in this one that are, you know, we're not just. Although on the last one we were just here, yeah. but we went to New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. For, you know, so how do we do it, and and do the magic trick yeah. of having people believe 
where where we are, but do it for the best price. And so it's always exciting to sit down and say, well, should we go here? Should we go to Atlanta? Should we go? And it just so happened that I knew how to get some stages at Pinewood Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might have been able to negotiate that. Yeah, you know, they said, oh. <laughs> or not. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, That not. might have backfired on yeah, you, too. Yeah, it could have. It could have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it all worked out very well. Well, it was, it was interesting because then Stephen got into the mix. And Stephen was sort of going, we're on East Nublar, which is up the coast of Costa Rica. And it was like, okay, well, you need to get from there to somewhere in a relatively short period of time. So we had kind of a conceit about the location where we were going to end up. Mm. And Steve goes, no, it's not possible. You can't do that. So we were looking and we were sending scouts out to... It's not possible doing it in the time. In the time In, in the amount of time that we, story time that we needed. Yeah. 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 We couldn't spend two... They get on a boat in order to get off. That's yeah. what we're doing yeah. here. Yeah. And so they need to get on a boat and then they've got to get somewhere rather than making it a movie about traveling on a boat. Yeah. Which is not very exciting. You needed to get to the new place. It Steven. could have been like two months later, you know? Right. Yeah. And Stephen was going, well, I think it's if you want to get to, we end up in Northern California. I think yeah. if you want to get to Northern California, that's going to take too long. So yeah. then we were putting out scouts into Peru and, you know, Ecuador mm. and just all kinds of places that we thought were. I wanted to go to Cabo San Lucas. Yeah. But <laughs> it just didn't work for the story. Yeah. So it's then you find that plane and you go, okay, how can we make those stages at Pinewood work. And we essentially well, came up with a really good idea. Yeah, and I, I think that on this one, we, we do have a lot more interior scenes than we've had on any of the other movies. So it made sense to be on a sound stage, a big sound stage, which Pinewood was perfect for. But I mean, that, I mean that's kind of in the DNA already of the of the franchise because some of the, the best moments from the original movie are like the Raptors. Yeah, in the kitchen, in the yeah. kitchen yeah. yeah, stuff like that. And and my understanding is that this one's a little a lot more uh, suspenseful. Yeah, like, calling back. Well, you've, seen, you've like seen the photo in the what I call the museum. Yeah. You know? Well, that's that's a huge set. Yeah. You know, so uh, um, yeah, so you know, you you just take the elements and you figure out how best to, to use them. Who, who is that in the photo? We don't know much about that little girl. I don't know. It's some little girl. <laughs> she just wandered in. <laughs> and see, the other thing we had to do is we had to come up with sets that were big enough because the yeah the evil dinosaur is bigger than the raptors in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, the raptors are like human size and they can sort of scurry around, whereas this one couldn't. So then the scale of everything had to... Be bigger, to be bigger to be able to have those kinds of scenes, you know, to have them work. So, so there were things that were driving the design of the movie that we hadn't anticipated. Yeah. So do you guys have a, a like a, a main threat animal in, in this one? Because the last few have been yeah. like the Spinosaur and the Indominus and stuff like that. Is that yeah. Is that yeah. Yeah. We have a a bad dinosaur. Bad dinosaur. Um, that of course is. Released before it's ready. Yeah, um, <laughs> of course. Not quite ready for prime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if it was, then I'm sure it'd be sweet. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It'd be to totally no, and to be fair to you guys, the little girl's name in the movie is Maisie. 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 Yeah. And um, M A I S I. And her grandfather. She she shares a love of dinosaurs at her grandfather's house. So 
there's this museum and they're connected to Lockwood. So that's all the stuff. And that's John Hammond's ex-partner? Yes, or? yes. And Hammond, yes. And he's... So, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we like to play with the, you know, adults and kids love of dinosaurs as it exists in the world today. And another thing that was uh, just driven by the story is, as Frank was saying, we're in rooms, we're in buildings with dinosaurs. So we're closer to dinosaurs than for a longer period of time than we've ever been. Yeah. yeah, and they're in cages, but still, they're really close. Yeah, and so one of the things that happens is if you go and if you touch a dinosaur, okay, you don't try to touch a digital dinosaur because yeah. it doesn't work. So you then end up with more animatronics than, you know, it's been 20 I think years. since Jurassic Park, yeah. we've got more animatronics than any of the other movies, except for Jurassic Park. So and it's it's a it's an amazing thing to work with. We got Neil Scanlon, who has done all of the stuff for Star Wars. Um, How'd you get him? I you know I just I made a phone call. No, breakfast, breakfast, a breakfast. Work this out. A late breakfast. <laughs> and um, maybe that was dinner. Was a, I made a bottle of wine for that one. But it was. I hadn't worked with him before, you hadn't worked with him before, um, but just the stuff that he brought to it. And, no, I know. And, it was, and we saw stuff like yeah. this. It would be, so what do you think it's going to look like when we come down to the shop? And he would have already, like, you know, done renderings of new sculpting and going through the whole process. So it's, there are, Blue as a character, we're much closer to Blue. Yeah, and I have to say the... Just the uh, process of the animatronics is so advanced now. Uh, yeah. From what it used to be, what they're able to do now is fantastic, and it's so so much faster. You have to to see what you're gonna have. So that made it really cool. So your life size Rex isn't gonna have the shivers like the old one did. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and because they were working with hydraulics, yeah. And everything now is you know it's mostly. Sort of like some small servos and stuff like that. And there's guys with joysticks, but there are still, you know, puppeteers making it breathe and, um, you know, yeah. making that head turn and doing all the rest of that stuff. These guys, they all dress in black. You know, they spend a lot of time in yoga studios because they're like that for hours. Yeah. It's amazing. They're really talented. And, and you, this film introduces a whole new cast of people. Yeah. What, what can you tell us about them? Uh, because we haven't heard much yet. Yeah, right. I, you know, it's a great variety. Of, we have a great new cast. Um, well, we've you know, got we've the, got the, the, the Claire is runs basically. A, how do we protect dinosaurs? So dinosaur protection. It's the, the dinosaur protection group, group, the DPG. Okay, and she has surrounded herself with young. Um, you know, environmentally conscious, uh, hardworking, also, you unpaid know, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to say? Not internet savvy, but yeah, um, IT kind of savvy yeah. people who know how to, you know, raise awareness and yeah. w within the right 
age group. It's like a grassroots. Yeah, know, yeah, it's like yeah, and political what, movement. What yeah. you would put together for a for a campaign. Yeah. yeah. So there's Justice Smith, okay, and he plays a character named Franklin, and he is the um, essentially the IT guy for the group. Uh, and we hear reluctant, reluctant guy. He doesn't seem to want to come. Well, he is going out of the front door. He's a reluctant money. adventurer. Yes, he loves being there at his computer and at his keyboard. Yeah, but he doesn't want to go out <laughs> and you know be Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. he's not interested in that. So he doesn't like to fly. Uh, he doesn't like bugs. He really doesn't like being outside. <laughs> so he's the perfect he's person to go on this. He's adventure. the perfect absolutely. <laughs> And then there's uh, Daniel Pineda, okay, who plays Zia. Zia is a paleo veterinarian. Okay. okay and studied it. Um, you know, went to university, and knows, but has never actually seen a doctor. Yeah. So this will be, since they're all on Eastern Nublar, this will be her first exposure to, you know, a real flesh and blood doctor. Something she's and she's pretty stuff. fiery in her defense of. Dinosaurs are like the rest of us, yeah. and they need to be preserved in there. You know, yeah. we have to look. We have to keep them from being becoming extinct, and yeah. you know, you have to have some like sort of save the gorillas, you know, yeah, or the dolphins, or whatever. Yeah. We're saving this money. Yes. <laughs> and, and Colin told me that those two are the secret sauce of this movie. That's the yeah, yeah. They 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 keep things moving. They're the you know kind of go to. Um, you know, different characters, the, the characters you haven't seen and you're unexpected, they're, they're, you know, they're, uh, court jester, whatever you want to call it, you know, they're... They can add a little brevity without yeah. being too, too silly or whatever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. They're, they're believable, but they make it fun and exciting and, and real. Because you've got then you have Kristen Bryce, and, yeah. you know... There's some drama they're, there. They're basically still reliving It Happened One Night, which was totally Stephen's idea. Mm -hmm. you know, we sat down while we did the first one and said, Have you guys all seen It Happened mm -hmm. One Night? And he's like, Yeah. He says, Let's bring some of that. You want a little of that Clark Gable? A little of that, just the jousting. I, I recommend it because Bryce was asking for uh, uh, for uh, like ideas for like further like movies and somebody brought up uh, like some TV stuff and I'm like like you, you want to know my favorite on screen couple it's like that's the Nick and Nora Charles right. Ben Man it's like, yeah, yeah. And where they're super supportive of each other but they'll they'll snipe yeah, at each other yeah yeah and she was like write that write that down <laughs> um, can we talk a little bit about uh, JA and how you guys. Uh, one picked him from you know from the stuff that, that he had done like what was it in there that you saw and I'm sure when he came in he had to you know show a passion for for it too it's something that you picked up but what what was well, it? I'll tell you the story yeah please please <laughs> as a matter of fact I called him for the first book oh yeah yeah and because uh, I love the impossible and I love the orphanage and I thought oh god he can handle action and characters and who is this guy and yeah. so I called him and, and we met and it turns out he was a huge Jurassic Park fan yeah you know it's sort of like Paul yeah this was before Paul yeah so yeah and then he but we were like on the fast track mm. and he said you know I need a lot of time I know what I need, I need my prep time, and yeah. I have a certain process I go through, and yeah. all that, and I just don't think, I, 
you know, I could do it because we had that other, we had the other script. Um, and so I said, well, and he said, I've got this other movie that I'm thinking of doing too. So, you know, thanks, but, um, but no thanks. Yeah. And so I put that in the, filed that in the back of my brain and then, you know, found Colin and, and then so when we were starting to talk about the next one, I called Jay and Berlin, and we met in England, and they were, at the time, they were on World War Z 2, okay. I guess it was, right? Yeah. yeah, and so he wasn't really available, but we had a really great dinner, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, then, you know, you know what happened, he decided not to do that, and they called me, and we were still... Uh, looking for a director and uh, because the good news is Colin and Derek were writing the script as opposed to the last one we didn't have we didn't have the script we liked. Yeah. So we were kind of so the timing worked out perfectly for them to come on and for him to have the time to do his process. And uh, and because it's the middle movie it needs to be a little more suspenseful and and yeah. scary, and you know, he just seemed to be perfect. It seemed to be perfect timing for having him come in. Yeah. And it's also, um, Colin was very unpredictable, right? And so, Colin, as the architect of the second one and the third one, was he and J.A. hit it off, and so J.A. then felt much more comfortable that one, he liked the original dress, and he knew the direction that Colin wanted to go in, so it wasn't as if there was just some script that he had to try to adapt, mm. and they kind of, they shaped it together. Yeah. So that was, there was a big benefit for that. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for under, understanding the mythology and understanding the journey that these characters are going on and being a yeah. fan of the franchise. And that's, you know, that's what Steven said this about Colin. He's the perfect combination of a terrific filmmaker and a fan. Yeah. You know, and J.A. is kind of the same. Yeah. And also for J.A. then, for us as producers, it was how we take somebody who's never had the resources, uh, you know, to do a movie like this and introduce them to him in a way so that he can take advantage of extensive storyboarding and pre-viz and you can go on location scouts, you know, you can go to Hawaii twice before you shoot there, all those kinds of things and then working, you know, with uh, our visual effects supervisor, visual effects producer and I on to be able to get what he wanted and it's, watch, it's like you start out with baby steps and then you start to climb the ladder and he's, you know, by the time you're ready to shoot he feels he's still it's a little raw around the edges just because he's never commanded that many people. But you then watch him, you know, work into it and make allies and build relationships and he's got his own DP, Oscar Farah, who's done all his movies and he's got his editor. So for particularly for a guy whose English is not his first language, that's like a big comfort level, especially you know, a big comfort level to, yeah. to be able to have that. Yeah, and that's part of our job is surround him with the right people to help yeah. him get his vision up on the screen and, yeah. and you know, and allow him to have, you know, I, you know, just knowing as a director that there are a couple of people 
you got to have like your security blankets, your yeah. DP, your yeah. editor, sometimes your production. If you don't have them, you they're like you're attached at the hip. If you don't have those people with you, you're you're going to be lost. And so we understand that. We made that part of our what what we wanted to do to support it. It also allows allows him to have it. Well, well, we're almost done. Yeah, we would be fine. Jack. It, it, well, I was going to say it allows him to, to have the brand that you liked in the first place, that feel, the look, you know, the, the the pacing almost in that shorthand he already has with those. It allows him to bring that to this and not trying to shoehorn him into a, another. Yeah, and 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 without referring to the current events, uh, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. he knows that he's coming in to make a certain kind of movement. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's not here to be the auteur of, oh, I'm just going to go off and create some crazy movie yeah, yeah. because that's what I want to do. Yeah. So, um, and that, it's really been great. It's really been exciting and fun. And Colin's been involved and Stephen looks at the dailies and, yeah. you know, and it's so fun for us because, you know, what we hoped would happen has happened. Can you, can you talk a bit about how Jeff Goldblum figures into all this? Well, yeah. I, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, call from the start, Colin wanted him to be the, you know, uh-oh, danger, you know, I told you so <laughs> yeah. kind of character. Yep. As, yes. as he does so well. Yep. You know? It's not difficult. So, so when, you know, when the, the volcano erupts and suddenly we're faced with are the dinosaurs going to become extinct again? Yeah. Do we save them or do we not? Yeah. That's the, you know, the big question that he gets to pose again. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, then we go from there. So, um, and then he's very philosophical in the movie. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't come on the trip. Yeah. But he, he he's sort of a, an observer of what's been happening and he, Speaks about that. He he bookends. The movie. Yeah, he's essentially bookends the movie with, "I warned you, and now I told you so, and now yeah. you know we're gonna be in a different place." Yeah. Well, where is he at in his life now? We haven't seen him in twenty years. Or yeah, or? yeah. Well, what was he in? He was in Thor. He was what? In Thor. No, no. Oh, I just meant like his character. Yeah, in character. Malcolm. We haven't seen him since yeah, Lost World. Lost World was the... his, oh, his character is what he believed in before. He still believes in fervently now. Yeah, he's still he's very a, much. Like that. He's you know he's a scientist, philosopher, rock star. Yeah, yeah rock star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's very uh, he's very senatorial in this one. No. Okay. Yes. He goes to those kind of hearings now yeah. and, and speaks about science and the world and, and how science can affect the world and how we have to be careful what we wish for. Yeah. Or, or you know, just to be able to do something doesn't mean it's right. So. What can you guys tell us? I know that you're probably going to be very vague about the human bad guys in, in this. Uh, they're very complicated. Yeah. Again, you know. Well, you like complicated villains. Well, this yeah. is, you know, these movies are about, and there's greed, and you know that enters into it always. But there's, you know, it's. Do you want to have 
dinosaurs are, do you, you know, do you not believe in us creating? You know, it's the whole uh, cloning. Uh, there are two people on either side. Well, yeah, we should have them and we can use them in real life for things. And yeah. people should be able to go to the zoo and see a, you know, a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex or, yeah. you know, um, and they can. There are other uses for them, probably. Yeah. You know, so. But it's like in the in the last one, Isaac Rani, Mazrani, moved yeah. things forward in terms of like you know genetic manipulation because he he actually seemed to be relatively pure of heart. He wanted mm -hmm. to provide entertainment for people, mm -hmm. and we've evolved to. And he was then a semi-innocent villain. Mm -hmm. Whereas now you have guys who are sort of looking at what are the financial potentials. Yeah. And then you have how guys... How can we profit from it? How can we yeah. profit from it? And then you have guys who are just um, real tough eggs. I mean, the, the uh, Ted Levine. But, but, kind of thing. Yeah, how did you come up with Ted? <laughs> He's so great in the movie. You know, and Ted's just one of these guys which you go... It came down to it. I want to make sure he's on my side. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then you get Toby Jones. And Toby Jones, as you know, can be anyone. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. the biggest chameleon of all. Yeah. And Rafe Spall is just a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, Rafe's great. And, and Lockwood is not a villain, I wouldn't no. say. Um, he's no more of a villain than John Hamm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's complex, I hope. We won't keep any more of you, your time. Yeah. All right, we're good. We got to get out of here today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll meet you again in a tent somewhere. All right. Yes. Yeah. Eric, great to see you. Thanks, Peter. Thank good to see you, Frank. Good good to see you guys. Thank you. So there you have it. My interview with the producers from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, this week I'm going to be at CinemaCon in Las Vegas, uh, which is a show for movie exhibitors. But they they preview uh, a lot of the films coming out over the next year. And I will have reports from there. Uh, I'm not sure if we will have news episodes uh, this week during the time. But you will get a lot of reactions and exclusive coverage of uh, what the movie studios are planning the next year of movies um is so watch out for that uh and um as always uh you know slash film daily is published every weekday on itunes google play overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send us your feedback questions comments concerns to peter at slash film.com please go rate and review this podcast on itunes tell your friends spread the word and we will see you tomorrow